Welcome to the Bayside Church Weekly Message audio podcast, Frankston. Well, it's a privilege to be able to talk uh, to you this morning on our Connect weekend. I hope you are ready. Uh, Obviously, my message is going to be centred around connection. That would make sense on our Connect weekend. Um, But I just want to acknowledge as well, Jay and Melissa, I'm super impressed that you are in church this morning with Sarah. I've got to give it up for all the mums out there. Uh, seeing the birth of my children was the most amazing things. Five times, though, hat off. You, sh- you, you now need to change no more nappies for the rest of your life. That's Jay's uh, mission now. Unless you want to push out the next one, then, then you can switch it around. Won't happen. But uh, look, it's going to be very uh, looking forward to sharing the message with you today because I've got an opportunity that I hope that you will each take up. Um, because I believe we're on the, the front end, especially those of us, and I'm saying especially those of us because I'm now included in that, that are over 40. Uh, you'll be able to uh, leverage some of the experiences you've had in your life. Now, it means everyone can do this, but it just means that as you get a bit older, I'm now saying it, you get a little bit more wisdom in your life. Is that true? I'm not getting many responses off this. Okay, I'm on my own. That's okay. That's all right. But uh, we're finishing off the last of our summer series, which has been Exodus, Gods and Kings. And Pastor Rob has given me a fair bit of material to cover today, and I want to do due diligence to that as well. So in the spirit of Pastor Rob, and so you can all say to him next time he comes down that Forbo covered all the material. I've now covered all the material. Very good. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) If you didn't like that style of joke, that is Bayside's sense of humour, and I don't apologise for it at all. title of my message today is, Put Away Your Idols. Put Away Your Idols. And an idol is anything that takes your attention off God. Now, I'm not just saying an everyday thing, and you, can't, you have to be thinking about God 24-7, but when you uh, have a quiet moment around, if there's things that you are just focused on, you can't focus on anything else, whether it be work, whether it be another person or a situation, an idol can be many things. And as we pick it up, the story here in in Exodus, for a little bit of contextual background, the Israelites, they've just been through the plagues. And we all know that there was 10 plagues that were sent in order for them to be released. And each of those plagues represented a different idol of the the nations at that time, of the the Egyptians at that time. And the whole point of the plagues was to turn around for God to say, I am the one true God. I am the one true God. The magicians, they could only uh, replicate the first two of plagues. After that, they couldn't do any more, and they were saying, oh, gee, this is the one true God. And so the Egyptians have just come to, so the Israelites have just come to the understanding, we worship the one true God. And they've left, they've gone through um, the waters, they're now about to receive the Ten Commandments. And that's where I want to pick up in Exodus chapter 20 and verses 1 to 3. Now, I'm not going to go through all of the Ten Commandments. I want to focus on the first commandment. And it is this, Exodus 20, And verse 1, And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath the waters. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. You shall have no other God besides me. I know as a parent, have you ever made a very definitive declaration towards your children. You are not going to get up from the table until you've eaten all your veggies. You are not going out in that. You're going to do what you're told. Why? Why? Because I'm the adult. That's why. 
I just get this picture as God's saying this, that he's, he's giving this definitive declaration, you will not do it. And the Israelites are like, but, but, but why? When my parents gave me these declarations when I was young, I often had no understanding about why they were doing it. Uh, I was sitting there going, this isn't fair. Why, why can't I do or why can't I have whatever it was that they had made this declaration? And sometimes as parents, we do go a little bit overboard. But God here, he doesn't. And uh, he doesn't do that. And as I've got older, as I've got older, and mum and dad aren't here to hear this, but I've come to realise they were right in a lot of those things. They were. They were right. So teenagers, I know you might be struggling with some of the things that your kids say to you, but your parents generally, there's some wisdom behind what they're saying. You can learn it from them. And even worse, I'm saying a lot of those things to my kids these days. I'm repeating back the words my parents gave to me to my children because there was wisdom in what they said. See, everyone needs boundaries. We all need to have rules, especially children who don't have the life experience or the ability to see the potential consequences of their actions. Many of us will have learned from having successes and failures in our life, but a lot of what we have learned has been actually passed down from the wisdom of our parents and the teachers and those that have been around us. Now, the Israelites, at this time in their journey, they're children in their thinking, they're children in their understanding of their faith. They've, been, they've just come out of slavery from Egypt. They've been uh, oppressed for hundreds of years, been told what to do day in and day out. They haven't been able to think for themselves. They've just obeyed orders. And so as God is speaking to them right now, he's actually, that's how they're used to being spoken to. He's giving them a direction. You will do this. And that's actually comfortable for them at that time. Some of the boundaries my parents gave me, I'm glad for them. That gave me uh, parameters which I knew what I could and I couldn't do. I knew I'd be safe as long as I stayed within what they'd asked me to do. As they get older, they'll have much to learn and things will change as you see. I don't know about you, but my expectation uh, of what I expect a child to do compared to what an adult to do is often very different. I expect an adult to be a bit more mature. It's not always the case, but I expect them to always be a bit more mature. I expect them to be a bit more patient, to not have to say things more than once sometimes. I have different understanding or expectations of a child than I would an adult. In week one of this series, Pastor Rob said this statement, and I, I like it. Have you noticed that when we give our lives to God, we're not suddenly perfect? Have you noticed that all of a sudden, everything just doesn't happen? You're not a perfect Christian, you're not a perfect person just because we've given our lives to God. We're infants, we're children. And we need to remember that as a community when people come in and when we meet people, where are they in their faith journey? We have a saying here at Bayside, and it is belong, believe, behave. The three Bs, easy to remember. Belong, believe, behave. And if you can have this as your framework when you meet people, it'll really help you to consider where they are on their journey. Anyone is welcome to come and worship with us. Anyone is welcome to, to do, uh, do any of the activities that we have here at Bayside. doesn't matter what your theological background, what your economic background is. doesn't matter your upbringing. You are welcome to worship with us. This is a safe place. This is a place where you can ask questions. This is a place where you can learn and grow and be nurtured. And it should be. Because above all, you need to be able to belong. And as you start to belong and as you engage, hopefully with the Bayside, you'll start to learn and understand what we believe. And after you've believed, then it's actually when the actions come out. Then you start, your behavior starts to shift and starts to change. And can I encourage you, when you engage with people, remember, hey, I want this person to feel loved. It's the first thing they should feel. Then as they, we engage, don't just sit there and, and slam them, Bible bash them. 
but see where they're at, then they'll, they'll get a, a sense of, I understand, oh, that makes sense, I, I believe that too. Look for the common threads and then the behaviour changes. But why is this rule, why is this num the number one commandment and why is it important for us today? Well, 12 chapters later, Exodus 32, and uh, we now have uh, Moses, he's gone up to Mount Sinai, he's left Aaron down on the ground, and uh, he's gone up to chisel out the Ten Commandments, and obviously, stone takes quite a while, but while he's up there, there's a bit of grumbling going on, and the people all come to, to Aaron and say, look, where is, where is Moses gone? He's, he's disappeared, he's taking too long. Has our intermediary between God, he's, he's disappeared. We need to have something to worship. And so in his wisdom, Aaron says, well, give me your earrings and your necklaces of gold and, and I'll fashion a golden calf for you. You may have heard or know this story. And God says to Moses, he turns around, he says, look at those people. They have been quick to turn away from what I've commanded them. They have made for themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it. And they've said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. So quickly they've become distracted. So quickly they've taken their eyes off God. After they've seen all of the, the plagues, so quickly that had happened. And they made a golden calf of all things. Incidentally, the golden calf represents uh, a god of the time that was an intermediary between people and God. So because Moses wasn't there, they needed something to communicate with God. And they started to panic, so they made themselves a golden calf. So often we can become distracted. You notice that in life? Anyone who's got a smart device, they are very distracting things. I see people in the queues waiting just to buy something. and They can't be in the queue for more than two minutes, but they have to pull it out and check Facebook or check whatever it is. They become distracted. They can't focus on the task of even just getting to the cash register. They are terrible things. But it, it can be work. It can be lots of different things that we can actually get distracted from. Our focus is drawn away so that we either miss out, we cease to do, or we rush through the things that should be important to us in life. I remember when, when Alex and Caitlin were a little bit younger and uh, I was on dad duty and we were playing a game around the table and uh, I can't even remember what the game was. It's how much attention I was paying to it at the time. But as we're sitting there playing the game, Alex asks me after the while, he said, Dad, where are you? I'm like, what do you mean where? I'm, I'm, I'm here. I said, no, you're not. You see, we'd been having a conversation and I'd been dropping in and out of that conversation. I'd been asking him, excuse me, what did you say? I'd missed a lot of my turns. I had to be reminded of my turns. I wasn't present in that moment. I wasn't present there with my son who, and my daughter who are supposed to be two of the most important people in my life. But how often do we do that with God as well? We get busy. In my life, I know when I get busy, one of the first things that I can often drop is my time with God because it's easy, because I know He's always going to be there, because He's not demanding of my time. We can't let that be the first thing we drop. And this is the reason that's the most important commandment, because it has to do with love, believe it or not. God, our Father, loves us. He wants the best for us. He wants us to be the best we can be, to lead a fulfilled life, as any parent would want. Every parent wants you to lead a fulfilled life. But God knows that we can't do this unless we love Him first. We have no other God before Him. Because that, in turn, leads us to loving other people. Last week, Sandra shared a, a very good message on compassion. And uh, many of you won't have heard it, but there's an example she had in there about a study that was done by some university students uh, who were at a theological seminary, but they were studying sociology. And they were asked 
to do a presentation on the uh, Good Samaritan. So half of them had to do a presentation on the Good Samaritan, the other half had to do one just on a bit of technology that was going to affect society or how it would affect society. And came to the day where they were going to have to present this before everyone else. And they met in their, their lecture theatre. And the lecturer turned around and said, well, before we get on with this, what is going to happen? I want you all to go right across the other side of the university to this other room. And that's where we're going to be doing the presentations. But before you go, I am going to uh, give you each a predetermined pace in which you need to get there. Some of you uh, need to just dawdle. Others need to walk. Others are going to be jogging and running. Others, they set time limits for them to get from one side to the other. Unbeknownst to them, they are in the middle of an experiment by the lecturer to see what happens when you are rushed. And he had placed people along that journey who needed help, who needed assistance. And at the conclusion, and they came to the conclusion of this study, what they found was those who had the least time who had to rush either missed those people altogether or spent the least amount of time trying to actually help them. See, when we get busy, when we take our eyes off God and we're busy with rush, we will miss the people that are in our lives. We lose sight of other people. We can't do that. I want to fast forward you now to the New Testament. So we've had the Old Testament and it's the very direct directive. And we come into Matthew 22, verses 36 and 40. And many of you will know this. Now, we're no longer talking to Israelites that are children. These are now mature. These are scholars. These are people who've dedicated their lives to studying the Word and teaching the Word. And they're trying to trick Jesus right here. And they ask Him, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And without breaking breath, he turns around and says, And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. That's why that we should have no other gods before you. Because if we, don't, if we have other gods before God, we lose sight of people. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. What do these two commandments have to do with? Connection. What is this weekend? Connect weekend. What do we believe here at Bayside? We believe in PG. We believe in we need to connect with people and God. It's around that way because PG works. It's, okay, you'll remember it because it's one of the movie ratings. But it's actually connecting with God and connecting with people. When we do this, as the Bible says, iron sharpens iron. We can carry one another's burdens. There is unity which commands a blessing it provides perspective and balance i read this great quote during the week it says experience alone doesn't make you better only evaluated experience makes you better when we come together we're able to evaluate our faith we're able to talk about it with each other we're able to wrestle it backward and forward just because you read the bible or you've read the bible from cover to cover doesn't make you a theologian doesn't mean you're going to be able to live it out doesn't mean your theology is going to be correct the early church would gather and they would wrestle out their theology and then they would go and they would act it out in this world. I know that when I train with others or when I cook with others, I love doing that because I'm learning new things. I'm learning better techniques on how to do it better, to make a better meal, which ingredients I should be putting in. If I'm doing it by myself, then I've only got my knowledge and my understanding of that. But when we do it together, it is so much better. It's also proven 
to improve our health and well-being. If you want any other reason this year, if you want to be fitter, if you want to be healthier, then you need to connect with people. There's a professor at the University of Houston uh, specializing in social work and social connection. And she says this, a deep sense of love and belonging is an irresistible need of all people. We are biologically, cognitively, physically, and spiritually wired to love, to be loved and to belong. When those needs are not met, we don't function as we are meant to. We break, we fall apart, we numb, we ache, we hurt others, we get sick. We are profoundly social creatures. Gotta understand this. We may think that we want money, power, fame, beauty, eternal youth, a new car. These are all idols, I think. We may think we want those things, but the root of most of these desires is a need to belong, to be accepted, and to connect with others, to be loved. I know when I was young, I wanted some Reebok pumps. Were they going to make me play any better? No. But I tell you what, my friends would have thought they were awesome and I would have been accepted. And it's no different with whatever it is that sometimes we desire things, not because we need them, but because we're looking for connection. Let's not look in the wrong places. She goes on to say, we pride ourselves on independence, on pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps, by keeping calm and carrying on, having a successful career and above all, not depending on anyone. But as psychologists from Maslow and other uh, organizations have repeatedly stressed, the truth of the matter is that a sense of social connection is one of our fundamental human needs. We need to do it. We might think we can do it alone. We cannot. We were not meant to. We were meant to meet as a big group. We we're meant to meet in smaller groups. That's what God has created us to do, worshiping him and meeting with others. John puts it this way. By, and this is toward, he's saying this towards Christians. By this, all men shall know that you are my disciples. That's what we're called to be. If you have love for one another. So how do we avoid idols? How do we stay or keep our focus on God, we'll be connected. Be connected. It's that simple. Um, I want to talk to you a bit now about the parable of the talents or the gold. Maybe many of you will know this story. It's a parable of opportunity. That's what I was talking about at the start, this opportunity that I think we can all leverage as a church, each and every one of us. And uh, in order to understand this, I hope this parable was actually going to help see you yourself in a different light. Often we don't leverage opportunities we have in our life because we don't think that we are worthy. But I want to tell you right now that each and every one of you is fearfully and wonderfully made. God has created you with a plan, with a purpose. Whatever you have been through is for a reason and he, God can turn it around for his good. You need to believe that before I continue with this part of the story. Because our life is a treasure chest. Each and every one of your lives is a treasure chest. You're all a unique blend of success, of failure, of experience, of family experiences. Gotta love family sometimes. They're good. Of academic life, of work life, sport life. You're a combination of people you've met, people you've aspired to be like, places you have been, places you have lived, foods that you have eaten, books that you have read. You are a unique blend, and when something is unique, it is valuable, it is a treasure. It is a treasure. You are a treasure chest of experience. Got it? Good. Here's the parable. I'm going to paraphrase this or just read parts of it from uh, Matthew 25. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, 
To another, he gave two bags of gold. And to the third man, he gave one bag of gold, each according to his ability. Now, I want to highlight that each according to his ability. This isn't actually talking uh, today about money. This is a parable. It's a story that was used. We all have gifts, abilities, talents, and we've all been given them according to our ability. And he moves on. Then he went away on his journey. And the man who received five bags of gold, he at once went and put his money to work, and he gave five bags more. So also the one with two bags, and he gained two bags more. And the man who received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. And after a long time, or at the end of their life, the master of those servants returned to settle accounts with them. The man had received five bags of gold, brought out another five. Master, he said, you have entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. He was super excited. I've invested what you've given to me and look at the return that is there. And listen to the master's reply. His master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many. Hang on a second. You've been faithful with a few things? The amount of money he gave him in the, in the day, he was talking like millions of dollars. But that's not how the master, the master is not concerned about the amount here. He's concerned about the investment. This whole parable, you can summarize it into one line. What you have is less important than what you do with what you have. What you have is less important than what you do with what you have. See, Jesus gets excited when we use our talents and our gifts, our experience and time to help those around us, to help those in our community, to reach out. That's when God gets excited. doesn't matter what you've got, just invest it to use it. I don't know if you've ever been, well, most of you should have been to a funeral, but when you go to the good funerals, it's about people. I know, hey, that sounds terrible, doesn't it? But when you go to the good, what you hear is story after story after story about how generous someone was, about what they gave away, what they taught you. They are the things that people remember because the value of life is usually, is always determined by what was given away, not by what they held on to. You never hear stories of, oh, they had a massive bank account when they passed away, or they did this. No, you hear about what they gave away. Think about Bill Gates. Everyone talks about what he gives away. More money than America. They, they focus on that. Yeah, he's got a lot of money, but they focus on what he's given away. See, the problem is, though, most people bury their treasure. can be many reasons for this. Maybe you think you don't have anything of value. You're looking and saying, well, others have got two or five bags of gold doesn't matter how much you have, it's what you're doing with the investment that you've been given. You might say to yourself, well, I don't really have much. I don't have much experience. I've got an ordinary life. What could people ever learn off me? I don't know much about that. I wasn't called to lead. That's a lie. There's no condemnation in Christ. doesn't matter what you've been through, what circumstance, what experience. God can turn it around to tell other people and show other people. There's a man here that I, I want to honour today because I've learned so much from him in my life. And it's come from incidental conversations of handing it over. And I want to encourage you, if someone is an older gentleman and he says to me, hey, I want to take you for a coffee or I'd love to have a chat. You know what? As a, as a I'm saying younger man in my 40s now, I, ha, I am all ears. Working with youth for many years uh, has shown me that the younger generation want to hear from those that are older than them. They want to hear what you have. They love hearing the stories and that you have because they learn off them. They shortcut them. It's an investment. 
And today is a point of connection is I want people to think about who can I reach back to? Who is a few years younger than me? Who's a, a life stage behind me that I can invest into? Jay's got five kids. I want to hear maybe, okay, what's it like to have kids? <laughs> Could be good. Hectic, hectic. You know, others have, have succeeded in business. I want to hear what has happened in this. You know what, if you failed in a business, I want to hear. Why? Because, well, what went wrong? What would you do differently next time? Doesn't uh, preclude you from helping anyone else. But this guy, uh, it's uh, John Little. I've learned so much off him when it comes to marriage. Yeah, he, he deserves a round of applause. He's a good man. He probably doesn't know it, but we've had conversations on and off over time through serving together, through just having conversations, um, him coming and helping out at church, and just the love that he has for Rini, the, the stories he talks about, what they've been through. And, and it's not all been roses, let me tell you. It hasn't all been roses, but I've just been so blown away by the character of the man, the integrity that he's had, that it spurred me on in my faith. It spurred me on to hold on to God even tighter. Why? Because he's sharing the treasure that he has. He's sharing the life experience that he has. Sometimes even as he's going through it and just seeing that, that wrestle go on, and I've benefited from it. He's not always pulled out the word and gone this, but he said, God has been good to me. God has shown me and he's done this. Can't multiply without investing. The thing with treasure is you can't take it with you. We all know that. Can't take it with you. If, it die, if, if you die, it dies with you. We need to learn to pass it on. That happens when we are intentional with our connections. So I want you to ask yourself this year, who can I connect with? How can I connect? In a moment, we're going to see uh, a short Connect video. You may have seen it the last few weeks. It's hilarious. Um, and then I'm going to talk a little bit more about Connect Groups. But the whole point of what we're trying to launch this year is connection doesn't happen just one way. It's not just through Connect Groups. This weekend isn't just about Connect Groups. It's about connection. How can I connect? Because when we do, that's when unity happens. It commands a blessing. We'll see God's kingdom grow. And that's what it's all about. Let me pray. We hope you enjoyed listening to this weekly message audio podcast. If you'd like to listen to more messages and find out more information, check out our website at www.baysidechurch.com.au. Church has changed. Check it out.